Hello, hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Fantasy Football Radio Hour. As always, I'm your host, Luke Sala. Can we be joined from some lovely people from Boost Fantasy tonight, uh, a team that I'm very proud to say I've, I've had a hand in helping to assemble over the last couple days. Uh, we already have Connor here. We already have Matt here. What's up, boys? How are we doing, everybody? Uh, tomorrow we see football, finally. Thank God. Uh, there's NFL football on tomorrow night. Jaguars and Raiders. I'm very excited to watch that game. Cooper's here. What's up, Cooper? Come hop in, Cooper. Yo, Boost Fantasy's in the house. Guys, if you haven't already followed Boost Fantasy, make sure you guys go drop them a follow. This space is kind of uh, sponsored by Boost Fantasy, if you will. Uh, and my contract with Boost Fantasy, we're doing a live show a week. And I'm kind of turning this show into my Boost Fantasy show as well, trying to like cross-brand with them. Uh, they're a great fantasy football company that's just starting out. They're going to have an awesome app coming out soonish. Um, and they're a really, really cool new brand that I have a big hand in help grow. So if you guys could go show them some love, that'd be really appreciated. Thank you guys so much. And we're also going to be joined for some uh, from sorry joined with some analysts uh, who are already helping the content creation team at Boost Fantasy. So if you guys want to show some love, that would be very much appreciated. Steve is one of them. I don't know if he wants to come up here and uh, request to speak. I'll invite him. Uh, but I guess we'll get this started with Cooper. What's up? Bro? How you doing? What's up? I'm at work. I'm working night dispatch at my trucking job, so I can't stay for long. I just want to give my opinion that uh, Christian McCaffrey is better than Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, I love that. I actually we did the same I, thing earlier, but go right. I just wanted to join to say that real fast. That's why you're gonna have go ahead. Why, why do you think that you're a Panthers fan? But by us aside, why do you think that Christian McCaffrey has the upside of the best fantasy football player of all time? Regardless, if he can play if he can play ten games. Give me him a one hundred and one. I love that take, Cooper. I appreciate you coming through and saying what's up. No problem. I gotta go though. All right, see you, bro. Have fun with myself. Wait, wait, <laughs> what is your job? You're a tr- you work at a trucking dispatch. My family owns a. A produce farm and a logistics company like trucking like delivery for all types of different companies like uh dannon and uh nestle and stuff like that and for the family farm so i'm currently oh, night dispatch okay. uh, drivers and stuff but no one's calling right now so really it. cool yeah all right see you coop thanks for tuning in bro yeah no problem see ya. uh all right steve is up here Jose is up here uh steve is one of the content uh c- contributors over at boost fantasy uh, always inviting the homies up here to come up and speak with me, especially on the days that I really want to push boost fantasy stuff. So, Steve, cheers. Thank you for coming out. Uh, real quick before we get to you, Steve, let's uh, see what Jose has to say. Jose, what's up, bro? How you doing? Uh, how you doing, Luke? I just had a quick, um, quick question. Who's upset we taking just for 2022? Uh, Rashad Bateman or Brees Hall? Who has a higher potential just for 2022? Yeah, I think, I think cost aside just on paper, it's pretty easily Brees Hall for me. Uh, you know, rookie running backs usually produce really well for fantasy football. A rookie has finished in the top, I think, top 10 in nine out of the last 10 years. So, I mean, rookie running backs produce really, really well. Reese Hall's a great prospect, and he's in a situation where he's clearly that, like, at a minimum, the way to Michael Carter's 1B there in New York. I was thinking the Jets are a pretty good situation, uh, better than people realize for fantasy. And he's just, he's just a really good prospect. I don't already said that, but, but, you know, in terms of a film guy and just, like, watching him play football – he kind of compares to me to Javante Williams in terms of talent. And, you know, his physical comp over on player profiler is Jonathan Taylor. So, I mean, I love Brees Hall. So, I definitely lean Brees Hall there if you're not talking, uh, you know, in terms of cost as well. Because I think that Bateman, you could argue, might be a better value. I don't know, though. That's actually not true because I have Brees pretty high over his ADP. But, you know what I mean. Uh, appreciate the question, Jose. Thanks for coming through, bro. Um, all right. Matt, did you have something to add to that? Go ahead. Matt, are you there? You got muted a second ago, but you're muted again. 
Guess not. MJ, what's up? Hey, how's it going, bro? I'm just chilling, man. Just chilling. What you got for me tonight, my boy? Um, <clears throat> so I posted a uh, poll asking uh, who would you rather have in fourth, fifth round value. And the poll was between Travis Etienne, Brees Hall, and David Montgomery. Well, just throw David Montgomery out of there immediately, first and foremost. He does not belong in that tier, in my opinion. Um, but of those two guys, I feel like, I mean, it's close, you know, for a lot of people. Um, I like both those guys a lot, but I think Brees Hall for me, because I feel like he is, I mean, I think we can all agree that Travis Etienne is like the clear running back one there in Jacksonville. But like, if I woke up from a coma tomorrow and you told me that James Robinson somehow out carried like on the ground, just on the ground, not like not through the air, like just got more carries than Travis Etienne, I wouldn't be so like that surprised. But if you told me that like Brees Hall got less touches as a whole than Michael Carter, like I would be stunned. Like I, you know what I mean? Just like I think that Brees Hall uh, could potentially be a better talent than Travis Etienne. I think that. He doesn't have, you know, the injury history that Travis Etienne does now coming off the Liz Frank injury last season. And I think he has less competition. So, I mean, I personally like Brees Hall more. Um, But, I, yeah, I definitely think Dave Montgomery doesn't belong there. But I don't know if you're really high on him. Uh, But, you know, Travis Etienne and Brees Hall are great draft picks. But I definitely prefer Brees. Steve, also, I I mean, for the you're one of the boost homies. And I I want you to be able to, like, co-host this. Uh, So, jump in anytime if you want to say something, Steve. Yeah, sure thing. Um... Yeah, I uh, nowadays I'm with Brees over ETN. I love ETN though too. Um, I I think I'm too high on Montgomery in general. I'm a Bears fan, but like more and more he's he's on special team snaps now, which like doesn't mean anything. But also, like if you're gonna give a guy 260 touches and expect him to be your number one option in the running game, you're probably not gonna throw him out on a special teams play that 95 percent of the time. Uh, changes field position by a whole five ten yards. So, uh, yeah. Appreciate it, Dave. Uh, all right. Uh, let's see if Matt is here. Matt, are you here? You were a second ago. Yeah. Can you hear me? My uh. There you. Yeah, there you are. Yeah, you're good. I can hear you right now. And now I can't. Maybe okay. connections is poor. I don't know. Um. Okay. Yeah, I can't hear you right now. Just try just try again in a, a couple of seconds. Also, just real quick, shout out to uh, Angry Sports Couple. I don't know if it's him or her listening right now or maybe both of you guys. But I just want to give them a quick shout out. They have been supporting me for a really, really long time, especially when I was get, first getting started as a smaller account. Uh, they were super, super nice to me, and they always went out of their way to show me love and support. So shout out to Angry Sports Couple. They're two amazing people. So thank you guys for coming to the show. It means a lot. Love you guys. Uh, yeah, Matt, go right ahead, man. See if you can speak again. Hey, can you hear me? Yes. Okay. Um, I just want to say hello. Uh, happy to be here. I'll jump in in a few. <laughs> all right. Sweet. Thank you, bro. I appreciate it. Uh, all right, Scott. What's up, man? How you doing? Or uh, Scott. I don't know how to pronounce the second name. Fan club. Yeah, it's uh, it's Scott Fuchs, and he's a KU Fuchs. offensive line coach, so it doesn't okay. really matter because we suck. Um, but – I, so there's some news coming out of camp today, and I'm sure you saw it. It was the Trey Sermon stuff, and I've got far too much Trey Sermon than I'd like to admit. Is this something that we need to pay attention to at all, or is this just just buzz that doesn't matter? 
Uh, you know, unfortunately, I don't think it's buzz that matters. You know, I don't want to, you know, be the bearer of bad news. But, I mean, Trey Sermon was just not good at football last year. And, you know, like, obviously players can improve, right? But I think they pretty clearly tried to draft a Trey Sermon replacement with uh, Tyrion Davis-Price in the third round this year. Uh, you know, another bigger running back who, could, you know, I feel like is there to replicate the Trey Sermon style of player. Um, but, you know, I mean, he's still on the team. He can, you know, he can improve as a player and get better. So, I don't think he's dead in the water by any means, and I feel like he definitely could get better. It's not nothing, right? Like, obviously, it's a good sign that he is making improvements this offseason and working hard to get better. Like, that's always, you know, good news. Not, it's never bad news, right? But I just don't know if he's going to have the opportunity to prove himself in the in the sense of, you know, getting a meaningful role in the offense this year. But who knows? It's San Francisco backfield. Anything can happen. Yeah, Steve, go right ahead, man. You don't have to raise your hand. Just jump in at any time. I just don't want to try talking over, but yeah. Oh, you're I'll fine, just man. Just jump in. All right. Uh, yeah, I got stuck with a couple of Trey Sermon shares, too. And with all the San Francisco news with Kyle Shanahan lately, I've just like if it's if it's bad news, I pay more attention to it. If Kyle Shanahan is, puts you in the doghouse, like that's going to make some bad things happen. We saw Brandon Ayuk not do anything for the first half of last year. But any good news like it could be anybody in the backfield. Like he says committee and we know that he's not going to hesitate if uh, Jeff Wilson is hot during practice in week six, he's going to give him 15 carries the next week and we're all going to go what? So for the most part, I'm just fading Mitchell and I'm, I'm holding sermon on like the very back end of a bench, but expect nothing out of it. Yeah, absolutely. I just actually, uh, I don't know if Jonesy's in this. Yeah, he's here. Jonesy, why are you talking? You coward. No, I'm kidding. But he sent me a D- He probably just can't. He sent me a DM. If anyone wants to check out his newest article for Boost and uh, the thread, or if you don't want to read the full article, there's a thread as well. Uh, it's six of his my guys this season. If you guys want to go check that out during the show, after the show, whatever. It's a great It's a great read. It's a great listen. Or, yeah, read, whatever. You just don't think you can listen to. It's a great read for the thread or the article. Uh, Jonesy's here as a speaker now. So, hi, Jonesy. Hey, so, I was just wrapping up the article in the thread. Um, so yeah, I was just finished that up before I hopped on. So, oh, cool. But cool, cool, cool. Yeah, it's a great read, man. You you did great work, and I definitely love. You know, <laughs> I won't spoil it, but yeah. you know, the first guy in the thread, you know, is my boy. Yeah. Actually, in the second guy in the thread, QB to so, zone. That's all I'm gonna say. Yeah, we love it. Yo, shout out to John Helmkamp, the homie. What's up? Yeah. Uh, Jose. Yeah, go ahead, man. I I, I got a quick um. Let's see what you guys' thoughts are. I know uh, there's a lot of, you know, news coming out of uh, Texans about Nico Collins. Um, I honestly think it is a possible prediction that Nico Collins could actually lead the team in um, at least the receiver group in fantasy points this year, just with this red zone problem. That's a I trust me. I know because of Brandon Cooks is there, but I just have this feeling that Nico Collins is going to be the next great Texans receiver. He has all the tools for it, and if he gets targeted in the red zone, that though those are points there. I don't know, man. I mean, I think he could definitely take a year two leap, but I don't see a world where he beats out Brandon Cooks this year. Brandon Cooks has been so consistent. Brandon Cooks is getting traded. You think so? Year. Oh yeah. I mean, I think they could sell him at the deadline, but I mean, I think. I mean, I don't see it. Season. There's no depth. They don't have depth behind Nico and Brandon Cooks. Mechie's out for the year, so I, I don't see a trade happening this year, at least. I think that Brandon Cooks will be traded to be the number two on a playoff contender 
And even honestly, even if he's not traded, they're the Texans defense is so bad and they're gonna be trailing in so many games. And it's literally Brandon Cooks, Nico Collins, and the third option is Brevin Jordan. So like I think that I mean Nico could see 110, 120 targets next year. And I mean, and, that's a lot of targets just to throw at a guy, just throw at a guy. You know what I mean? Like, but I mean, like, they, like, what do you think Cooks is going to get, Luke? How many targets do you think Cooks is going to get? I'm not very good, like, off the top of my head of just projecting targets. I would have to look at what he did last year. Yeah. But, like, I mean, I know he's a lock for at least a thousand yards. It's like locking. Okay. I, I, real yeah. quick, I want to throw it to John because John's here and John's great. Hi, John. What up, man? I'm doing great, bro. I'm just, you know, chilling out, sipping on this Coca-Cola. You feel me? I, I feel with the Coca-Cola and the microwave nachos, Luke's living his best life. Dude, that's all I do every day, you know. Uh, pretty much. Um, so here's the thing. I, I'm going to just chime in on this real quick. When Brandon Cooks has been healthy, there has not been a season that he has had less than 114 targets since 2015. Talk to him, dude. Let's so, go, John. Brandon Cooks is that dude. I'm going to tell you. And listen, I am from the great state of Oregon. I am familiar with one Mr. Brandon Cooks, pride of Oregon State University. I know this dude, and he is perpetually the most slept-on wide receiver in fantasy football every single season. I also wrote an article when I was with Deadspin profiling one Mr. Davis Mills out of Stanford University before the NFL draft, before Houston went and selected him. I wrote an article saying Davis Mills could be a mid-round target for the future of the Houston Texans post-Deshaun Watson with all the crap that they were dealing with with him. And then it ended up coming to fruition. And honestly, I'm going to hang my hat on it because it was like one of the best predictions I've ever made. Yeah, that's that's a pretty accurate prediction. Like, I'll say that incredible. for sure. Like when it happened, I just sat there and I was like, "I'm good, I'm good for the offseason. Like that's it. That's all I need to have. <laughs> that's happen. all you need. You need that's one good take to like put your <laughs> like yeah, put your hat that's on. That's all I need yeah. for the whole offseason to hang my hat on. I'm good. So when it happened, I was so excited because Davis Mills was the top quarterback. Uh, recruit coming out of high school of his draft class and then he ended up dealing with a couple knee injuries at Stanford and it derailed his entire collegiate career but when he was healthy he was great and he was working uh, with great coaches down there in Stanford you know the same of which that produced Andrew Luck and 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 churned him out so right I was really excited when I saw Davis Mills come in and honestly last year he looked legitimately like the best rookie quarterback in the class. I'm not saying he's going to end up the best because I still think Lawrence and Fields and even Wilson have higher ceilings. But Mills stepped into a horrible situation in Houston and he held his own and he looked really good. So all this to say, I I do love Nico Collins as a big body kind of prospect. I I love him as, as a dude. Sorry, John, I accidentally hit the mute everybody button. <laughs> My fault. John, you might have to unmute. I don't know if I don't know if you're still talking. John. <laughs> John. Unmute yourself, John. Please. Oh, this is so awkward. He still might be talking. Hey, John! I'm here. Okay. So I actually hit the mute button. But what I was saying was that all of this to say, I do love Nico Collins as a prospect that can can take a step forward this year. 
I like him as a big body dude. I like him as a guy that can win contested catches. I, I like him to take a step forward, but let's not get carried away and be like, oh, this is the dude that's going to get 100 plus targets and, and 1,000 plus yards. Like, no, dude. Brandon Cooks is that dude. Like, he's the guy. I don't think this offense is going to have enough firepower and enough protection for Davis Mills to produce two, like, really solid fantasy wide receivers. So I'm not going to get carried away on Nico Collins. I think he's a great stash. Like, I love him as a as a late-round target, especially in dynasty leagues. Like, yeah, for sure. But in a redraft, expecting him to come out and be a massive breakout wide receiver that's going to give you 1,000-plus yards or six-plus touchdowns or something like that, I, I don't know if that's going to happen, he's going to have some weekly value. You know, like he's going to find the occasional week. He'll definitely have some spike weeks in there for sure. Yeah, he'll have some spike weeks for sure. But I don't know. The the wide receiver group as a whole in the NFL is so incredibly saturated that expecting him to finish like inside the top 30 to 35 of the position on the year is really lofty. Like, I don't know yeah. if that's going to happen. Before, How do you feel about, but, real quick, before we toss it to some other people who have been waiting, what, what are yeah. your thoughts on Brevin Jordan? Because I feel like he also kind of feels like a, a stash to me. Because he, I mean, I, I like him a lot as a receiving tight end coming out. Yeah, I actually am, am really high on Brevin Jordan, especially for dynasty purposes. I, I like him a lot. I expect him to be a pretty good part of the offense this year. Um, Listen, if he can turn in a year similar to what Pratt, uh, Pat Fryermuth did last year in Pittsburgh, where he's kind of touchdown heavy slash dependent, I think that that would be a successful year. But with that, you have the swings, right? Because you might have a week where he gets two catches for 26 yards and you're absolutely screwed. But right. he's going to have some spike weeks. I don't know in redraft if I trust trust Brevin, Brevin Jordan um, in dynasty. I'm I definitely, definitely do not redraft. Yeah, I'm intrigued for dynasty purposes, and I've got him stashed uh, in in multiple leagues. But uh, for redraft, I'm I'm still I'm still out. I think he's outside the uh, the realm of realistic redraft titans. Yeah, I agree. Thank you so much, John. I really appreciate you stopping by, bro. You don't have to leave. No worries, thank man. You. I'm gonna I'm gonna dip out, but y'all have a good rest. Hey, John. I yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, Jonesy, go ahead. Whatever you um, want to say. So, Brandon Cooks. I love Brandon Cooks. I think he's been a great value for a lot of years. He's going off the board as wide receiver twenty right now, and that like feels like it's the highest that it's been in several years. You still? Like I feel like that's where he should be going, though, right? I mean, I, mean, I agree that he'll finish around there, good. but like. It used to be one of those things where you could get him at like wide receiver like thirty to thirty five, and he'd finish as like wide receiver fifteen to twenty. So you got a super ton- like you got a lot of value from him. But now it's kind of one of those things like he's being actually drafted closer to where he'll finish, and I don't necessarily think like, like I just I don't I don't know. I think it's the highest he's been drafted in a while, so I'm just curious to see like if you still like him at that price, John. Yeah, real quick before I dip out, um, I still do. I really like him at wide receiver twenty because I feel like that's close to his floor. Um, in years past, you're absolutely right. He was being drafted way outside of that, like wide receiver 35, and he was a screaming value because uh, there were health concerns and stuff like that. It's not quite the same this year, so this is not a wide receiver that you're going to go out and get in like the ninth round and be like, congratulations, you just drafted your wide receiver two in the ninth round. That's not going to be the same thing this year. Um, I do still really like him at value, though, because this is a guy that just gets – targets like crazy and is, and also has explosive play ability. So 
you're looking at a wide receiver that can get you 115 to 120 targets, but can also reel in a 50 to 60 yard, you know, touchdown on any given week. Absolutely. The floor, the floor is safe and the weekly ceiling is safe. So I, I love it. Um, I love it as, as, as a player that you can get at wide receiver 20 or so. I think that's great. And if you can, you know, if you're going with a wide receiver heavy draft and you're going to draft him as like your wide receiver three and then come back and start start targeting some like late round running backs after that, I'd love that strategy this year. Yeah, I do too. Thank you so much, John. All right, uh, yeah, so I'll over to uh, Jack, who's been waiting very patiently, and then we'll go over to uh, Fantasy Flow Joe. Yeah, I wanted to ask more about, you know, what are your, some of your flyers that you're taking in like, the you know 16th 17th round that you know are very low risk like super high reward that could potentially pay off yeah that's a great question let me pull up some adp here to find some guys that are going within that range like some super super late picks uh a couple guys off the top of my head that i like a lot a super late are uh tyler Beatty, rookie running back for the ravens uh because gus edwards and jk dobbins are not going to be healthy to start the year and you only got mike davis there who's the only like veteran presence uh, I also really like uh, Snoop Connor from Jacksonville, another rookie. Again, if Jam- if that's if James Robinson's not going to be hundred percent, looking he's not going to be hundred percent, but he's not going to be injured. So I don't really like that one as much anymore. Let me let me go super deep into some rookie ADP here. Uh, let's see, deep 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 picks. I like. I mean, about I'm Tyler Algeri? He's not that late anymore. I love Jalen Tolbert. I love George Pickens. Those are not even that late anymore, though. Let me keep going, scrolling down further here. Uh, David Bell is actually a really good one right now. I mean, obviously, the Deshaun Watson suspension is being appealed. Uh, but, you know, if Deshaun Watson does somehow get away with only six games, uh, David Bell has some good value late in the season. Uh, Wandale Robinson's a really good late stash. He's been lining up a lot of places in the training camp for the Giants. Uh, Alec Pierce, I like a lot. Romeo Dubes, I like a lot from Green Bay. He's been flashing a lot in training camp. I mean, there's a lot of literally late lo- uh, options, honestly. Uh, but those are some of my favorite ones for sure. Anyone who wants to chime in right now, please feel free, especially my boost people. Uh, Hayden, Steve, Jonesy, uh, jump in at any time. Go ahead. I'll throw out uh, KJ Osborne and Kyle Phillips. Okay, thank you, thank you, thank you. If you're uh, looking for a tight end, I usually have found myself grabbing real late Austin Hooper. Um not a not a huge shot, but he's shown that he's capable of have, uh, catching a high volume of passes. And Ryan Tannehill has had some good tight ends in the past. I actually really like that pick, Steve, because I mean I'm a huge Traylon Burks guy, uh, but you know somebody else is gonna have to catch the ball there. I, I like Robert Woods' value, and I also like Austin Hooper because I you know I don't really feel like Traylon Burks needs a ton of volume to be really good because he's super explosive. So I mean I feel like somebody else there is gonna be more of the volume guy. Uh, so, you know, like Woods or Hooper, they can get a decent target share for sure. Uh, all right, uh, Fantasy Flow Joe, what you got for us? And then we'll go to MJ. Or uh, Again, if any of the boost people, uh, like Hayden, Steve, Jonesy, if you guys want to jump in at any time, just jump in. You don't have to wait. Uh, go ahead, uh, Joe. What's up, Luke? Um, what's up, fellas? Yeah, Bumber Homeboy jumped off. I, I agree with Jonesy, man. Uh, Cooks is no longer a value this year. Where I think we're drafting him, not necessarily at his ceiling, but pretty close to it. Uh, the, the dude is, is getting a little long in the tooth, right? His explosive upside plays are, are I'd say, less than what they once were. Um, still a great wide receiver, two, three on your on your squad, depending on how you, you know, you apply roster construction. But I do think um, we're, we're no longer close to his, his ceiling and we're, dra- excuse me, his floor, and we're kind of drafting him at his ceiling. 
Um, but still, you could do a lot worse in your wide receiver three spot. And then, um, so I kind of just agree with Jonesy. On, I mean, I agree with Jonesy on that one. I wish Tucker do was still here. And then some late round guys. I mean, uh, your your boy Isaiah Pacheco's been getting some love. You forgot to mention Isaiah Spiller. I don't know how late he's going. Um, him and Rashad White definitely need, need to be on everyone's redraft radar, 100%. And then uh, late round, man, Gerald Everett. Give me a top five offense to a quarterback that's going to throw 5,000 yards with uh, one of the most athletic tight ends in the league. I mean, he's if you're going to punt, man, he's, he's my target all day. All right. Thank you, Gio. Yeah, I'm Jake Gordon. Thing with uh, Brandon Cooks, though, I don't want to, like, just beat that course. We just talked about it so much. But I think the thing with Brandon Cooks necessarily isn't like he's being drafted as, at his ceiling. But I think he just has such a narrow range of outcomes. Like, you know he's going to finish, like, between wide receiver 18 and 22. So it's kind of like – I know, but like, so, like, like for me, super... Jonesy, that feels like a really good pick to make because that guy's range of outcomes is so narrow, but oh, they're yeah. all so good. So like, it's he's like one of the safest picks in fantasy, and I oh, love yeah. that. I definitely agree. My my point earlier was more so. I just really love uh, Nico Collins, um, too. So especially if it's like he's a guy you draft in your last round, and if he off first two weeks, great, you have him. And if he you drop him and pick up whoever on the waiver wire, so that's my thoughts. Yeah, now you get it. Uh, MJ, go right ahead. Um, yeah, to piggyback on all your guys' uh, late tight end talk, um, I don't know how you guys feel, but uh, for the leagues that have Taysom Hill listed as tight end, um, I'm really loving his value, especially at the end of your drafts, because if, you know, they say how they're going to line him up all over the place and he gets all those points, you know, you're looking at uh, at uh, his, what did they call him, the utility knife type of role and it's going to put up those points if you know he plays at the tight end position yeah steve go right ahead if you had something to add on that yeah Taysom hill i think is a better tight end laid at if you're in like a best ball league but i'm looking back at it now from what i remember when he was getting the gadgety snaps with sean payton as head coach it was super hard to predict um I know there are a couple weeks I think he was the starting quarterback, but like unless that's announced before ahead of time, um, I mean, he might be okay, but to me he's just another uh, late-round guy that I guess you can take, but I'm not super. Yeah, I agree with what you said there, Steve, is that, well, first and foremost, this coaching staff did say that they're going to use him all over the place again still. Like they they want to still use him that way. Um, I don't know if it'll be like as frequent or more frequent or less frequent than Sean Payton did. But I agree with one thing that you said there that was really important is it was really hard to predict. Like, it's impossible to predict when they're going to use him that way. Um, so it's really hard to know when to play him or when to start him. Um, the only thing is, you know, if, if Jameis ever does go down or if he ever gets more quarterback reps than usual, then, of course, it becomes extremely valuable, right? You know, he gets all those rushing yards that are super valuable for fantasy football, especially at the quarterback position as a tight end. Um, but I don't know if we're going to see full cheat code cheat code uh, Taysom Hill this year. I don't think it's likely. But I do think, you know, especially in best ball, like someone mentioned, uh, he's a pretty decent target there for sure. And one thing I do want to say about late round tight end real quick is when you're looking for guys, like don't, like, yes, you might draft a guy at tight end 21 who finishes as tight end 11. And so you got return on your value, but like look for guys who have top five tight end value because that's like, you, you want to swing for the fences with your late round tight ends. Like it doesn't really matter if they finish as tight end eight or tight end 11, like, that's pretty like that's not much different in points per game compared to like tight end seventeen or eighteen most years. So like swing for the fences with guys who you think have top five upside, and a lot of times that's with ten plus touchdowns or ninety targets. Um, Andrew Cooper, right. tight end guy. I'm going to plug him real quick, but um, just look for the upside. Look for guys who can be number two on their offense and targets, and really swing for the fences with your late round tight ends, not just guys who 
you can get return on value from because it's probably not going to be that big of a return. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it kind of feels like the blueprint for me for fantasy quarterbacks too, right? Like you have to be either getting a ton of volume through the air or be like a rusher. But for tight end, it's either you have to catch a ton of touchdowns or see a ton of targets. Uh, and you have to kind of just, you know, know what to look for with those. So I definitely agree with that. You have to, you know, look for people who are outside the ordinary. You have to look for guys who catch a lot of touchdowns or get a lot of volume. So I totally agree with what Jonesy said right there. All right, I do want to get into something that I wanted to be kind of the meat and potatoes debate of this episode. We have eight speakers, so I'm sure there has to be at least two people that disagree or whatever. Um, personally, I have Christian McCaffrey now as my 101 in fantasy over Jonathan Taylor. And I would love to have a debate with everybody about that. Uh, Christian McCaffrey versus Jonathan Taylor. If there's anyone who would like to argue for Jonathan Taylor 101, I would love to get you up here. It doesn't have to be someone who's already speaking if you want to argue for Jonathan Taylor one way or the other. Or if you want to argue for Christian McCaffrey and just want to get on the debate, hit the request to speak button right now and we'll get you up here and hear your thoughts. But I would love for anyone, MJ, go right ahead. We'll take your Jonathan Taylor argument and then I'll throw up my Christian McCaffrey argument and then we can kind of just go around and take other people's sides. Go right ahead, man. Yeah, it'll be short. Um, I'll be taking Taylor over Christian McCaffrey just because of injury risk. That's really it. And um, alongside uh, goal line usage, I know um, he was the number one ranked running back last year by like what, over 20 to 30% over other running backs with his goal line usage. Um, You know, it might go down a slight bit, but I really don't see it going down as much like as some people predict. Yeah, okay. Uh, Steve, are you going to debate for CMC or JT? Because if you're doing CMC, I would like to make my point real quick, if you don't mind. Uh, yeah, you go ahead. I was going to debate okay. for CMC, but I can add on if... Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, I'll, I'll just do my point real quick, and then we'll just go around and get other opinions from everybody else and just kind of open it up. Uh, just real quick, so my thoughts on Christian McCaffrey, MJ. I'm glad you brought up injury. And honestly, that's the reason I bumped CMC down. Sorry, CMC over Jonathan Taylor in my rankings today is because I actually did some uh, injury research because I work for a sports injury website. I say this in like every space is uh, sportsinjurycentral.com. And they have a system of measuring the, that the doctors, um, you know, put out there called six scores, uh, which basically measures on a scale of one to 100, how healthy you are this season or are you, how you are in any given week. And Christian McCaffrey's is actually really, really high compared to most players. Um, no one really gets a hundred. Like that's pretty much impossible to get. That's pretty much if you have like perfect health over your entire career. Um, most NFL players who have like quote unquote, like good health will be like above an, above a 90 to like a 96, 97, like, the highest I've seen is, like, a 97. Um, Chris McCaffrey has a 95. So, even if you don't care about those numbers, just listen to what the, the doctors said. They believe that none of his injuries are lingering. None of them point to any signs of recurring injury. And none of them point to him being injury-prone. They're a lot more focused on, like, singular, singular injuries that have just been, like, unlucky and stacking up over time. And he's just had kind of bad luck with injuries. He doesn't really have a necessarily bad injury history that can point to him getting injured more and more. And the thing I want to say is, Sure, I understand your argument for why you think Jonathan Taylor could be quote unquote safer because of his, you know, goal line usage that's higher than most running backs in the NFL, and I totally understand that. Uh, but Christian McCaffrey, at his best, is head and shoulders the best player in fantasy football. I mean, he averaged thirty one point thirty point one points per game at one point during a season. Um, he has been the number one overall player in fantasy football two times in the last three years. Uh, I mean, I just don't think I can pass up on that level of production from a player. 
because um, if he's healthy and he, if he's out there in the role that he, the, I think the Carolina Panthers are going to give him, I feel like he's pretty clearly the 101. I think the only reason he's not the 101 is like it's because people think he's just going to get injured. And like I just mentioned, the doctors I work with uh, think he's going to stay healthy. So that's great. All right, uh, Joe and Connor coming up here. But uh, Steve, why don't you make your point real quick, and then we'll jump over to Hayden and see what Joe and Connor have to say. I'll kind of just open it up to everybody now. So kind of just jump in when you see fit. No need to like raise your hand. Just kind of jump in the conversation, guys. Go ahead. Sure, yeah. Uh, you covered a lot of the same stuff, same opinions I have on CMC. I mean, I know a lot of it comes down to whether or not you think he's going to stay healthy. Um, but another big um, support for CMC, I think, is the the targets versus JT. Like last year, I know Taylor had uh, the most red zone carries. He had 20 touchdowns, and that in itself uh, bolstered his, his fantasy points. Um, a lot of carries, and that's all in good, well and good. But if any of you are familiar with Josh Larkey, he just posted an article where he looked at the average fantasy points for carries, average fantasy points for targets, and then, you know, different kind of carries. And um, basically over the last, I think it was like 10 years, he found a carry was worth 0.62 fantasy points, and the average target is worth 1.53. So that's one of those things where even if you if they're going to scale back uh, Christian McCaffrey's work, um, I would think they're going to scale it back way more in the, the run game versus the passing. The passing game is really the only thing I, I care about. Um, we see guys like Austin Eckler, David Johnson, you know, they have sub thousand yard rushing seasons, but if they get the hundred targets, uh, 70 receptions, you know, and just get enough touchdowns, then they're going to uh, be a top five running back and possibly a number one. Yeah, I will say when it comes to like CMC versus JT, I'm definitely on like the CMC train at this point. But I do think one thing that's definitely worth noting is Deontay Foreman was brought in there in the offseason. And like, obviously, he's not anything great, but I think he's a big goal line type of back that can definitely siphon off several touchdowns from Jake or from CMC. Which, like, when you're looking at like overall running back one, like, it, like having a ton of touchdowns can like make a difference. Um, so I think that's one thing that's definitely worth considering, especially like. I'm a Baylor grad and I was there when Matt rule was there and we literally used like a running back by committee every single year that he was there. And it was so stupid because we had one running back who was clearly better than everybody else. But like Matt rule, he can use a committee seems to want to use it. And the Deontay Foreman signing could signal that that's in the future in Carolina. I mean, I disagree with that, but that's okay. Uh, Steve, you already just talked. If you don't mind, I want to get some other people. Uh, uh, let's go. Let's talk to the boy Joe Matz real quick. What's up, Joe? Hey, what's going on, Luke? Thanks for uh, letting me Hi, know. Joe. So I have been on the CMC 1.01 train for a few months now, so I was glad to see you convert over. Um, I, I also disagree in the, the notion of a potential uh, split or timeshare between Deontay Foreman and Christian McCaffrey, even under Matt Rule, like, I understand that Matt Rule likes committees, but when you work with a talent like Christian McCaffrey, you don't run a committee, regardless of your coaching preference. Oh, um, yeah, no, I definitely agree. I just think, like, yeah. trying to make somewhat of a yeah, point. Yeah, no, no, I, I, yeah, I, I get it. I 100% understand. I think the case for Jonathan Taylor to play devil's advocate, I think there's a difference between playing to win and playing not to lose, and obviously the, the route of playing not to lose is going with Jonathan Taylor. You know you're getting goal line work. You know you're getting near 300 touches. Uh, on an offense that should be much improved, have some more positive games. Um, and I, I, it's hard to make the argument 
just as much at risk for injury as Christian McCaffrey. But I do think a back that touches the ball that many times, it's running specifically between the tackle that many times, um, is going to naturally be at risk for injury. Look at Derrick Henry last year, um, a similar situation. Now, I, I personally – Every running back – Every workhorse running right. back is an injury risk. And right, and that's, other, like, and that's exactly why like, everyone thinks that like Najee Harris is like never going to get injured because he didn't get injured at all last year. Like, oh, he doesn't have injury problems. Like when you're carrying the ball as much as like you know Najee, JT, Derrick Henry, like all those guys, like you're going to get injured. It's just the, yeah. the the way that running backs work. Correct, and that's why I try and eliminate injury from my analysis in general, unless it's a Cam Akers, J.K. Dobbins who are fresh off of an injury. Um, so I'm I'm all aboard Christian McCaffrey 101. Um, I understand the Jonathan Taylor take, but if if we are projecting both to hit their absolute ceilings, play 17 games, 80% snap share each, like Christian McCaffrey is going to outscore Jonathan Taylor by leaps and bounds. Um, so that's, yeah, that's the route I'm on uh, 100%. I, just real quick before I toss it over to Connor, Joe, I really appreciate that, by the way. Um, yeah. But, you know, also, like you just mentioned, you know, Christian McCaffrey, if he's healthy and playing, like he will outscore John, uh, Jonathan Taylor by a lot. Derrick Henry outscored Jonathan Taylor by a lot, too, before he got injured. He was better than JT by two points per game. Jonathan Taylor actually had one of the weaker RB1 seasons of all time, actually. interesting. Uh, Connor, go right ahead, man. Let me guess. Connor's going to say draft a wide receiver instead, are you? <laughs> if I had to choose between JT and CMC, I'd Cooper choose Cup. Cooper Cup. You jackass. Get out of here, Connor. I'm just kidding. But Connor, okay, actually, go ahead, Connor. You know what? I actually do want to hear your argument. Like, if, if you were taking one hundred and one, like, are you legitimately taking Cooper Cup in two wide receiver PPR leagues? Um, yeah, because I looked into injury rates uh, the other day, and apparently, um, receivers have a three times higher rate of missing half the season or more than. Wait, did I say did I misspeak? Running backs have a three times, um, about a three times higher rate of missing half the season or more than receivers. And this is just running backs and receivers being drafted in the top 24 at each, at each position. Um, so yeah, that, that to me. So you, you just take, you just take the top wide receiver of the running back simply because of fragility. Yes. And obviously Cooper cup had a historic season last year. And, and I, I agree with you, Connor, but I'm going to make an argument for the running backs instead. I know you're doing this based off risk aversion, but I mean, in the majority of seasons in fantasy football, usually the RB1 outscores the wide receiver one from like the last couple of years I looked at, you know, like the top end guys, like they're neck and neck right there. Like, right, Christian right. like a healthy Christian McCaffrey will likely outscore any wide receiver this season, even if Cooper Cup does what he did last season again. You know what I mean? So like, I don't understand how if the top running backs are on the board who would, if healthy, outproduce like you just take the wide receiver just because odds tell you they have a better chance of not getting injured like I feel like that's right chasing safety not upside you know what I mean yeah but at the same time Cooper Cup still has a really high probability of finishing the top of the position right he's still going to have um a big impact he's still going to be a high wins above replacement player um regardless and I think I'm just not willing to take that risk with my early round pick on a running back. Uh, just real quick, I don't know if Hayden has to talk about Jonathan Taylor or Christian McCaffrey, but I still want to hear his opinion regardless. Hayden, go ahead, man. Yeah, so I'm a I'm a CMC dude, but I no one's making many points for Jonathan Taylor, so I figured I'd hop in and just give some a uh, little bit of speculation. Um, 
Well, I was thinking the other day, uh, Carson Wentz obviously is a quarterback that uh, prefers to uh, most of the time to a fault, extend plays and heave it down the field. So what do you think the odds are of Jonathan Taylor seeing a few more targets with a, like a smarter veteran quarterback like Matt Ryan, like more willing to, to take that check down? Go ahead, MJ. MJ, you have your hand raised. All right, my bad. Um, I think, you know, he will get a few more checkdowns. But um, I also wanted to uh, point out, um, if you're playing standard, not full PPR, I think Chris Caffrey's 2019 season, he scored 355 points. Uh, You go to 2001, Jonathan Taylor scored 323 points. So about like 20 point difference right there. So you have to get full Christian McCaffrey prime, you know, to get those numbers again. And right. I, I, I'm not arguing for standard though, just to be fair, you know, like we're talking PPR usually. Okay. Okay. All right. So my bow just stopped then. <laughs> you, I didn't mean to shut you up. Sorry. I was just saying like in our defense, you know, like we're mostly talking in PPR, so it's kind of hard to like throw standard in there like that. But I understand what you're trying to do. Sorry. Uh, Steve, go right ahead, man. What you got? I think another thing interesting with CMC, and it's good Akash isn't in here because he would murder me for another uh, small sample oh, size no. and extrapolation and whatnot. Connor will too. And I might too, honestly, depending on how bad it is. Let's see. All right. It's, uh, I, I mean, it's kind of consistent over CMC's career, but just today, like I was looking over uh, McCaffrey's last, just uh, 2021, he played seven games, but two of them he left early. Um, I think one of them he might have been eased in slow, but I included it. So in those other five games, he he averaged 23.4 points per game, which, again, that's kind of a Christian McCaffrey thing. Um, he usually has a pretty high floor. And in those five games, he only had two touchdowns. Um, so like 0.4 touchdowns per game. Whereas if you look at uh, Taylor's season last year where he was running back one overall, he had 21.9 points per game, a couple less. Um, but he was scoring over a touchdown a game. So like that, again, with the PPR and the um, yardage and targets that CMC gets, it's like the Panthers offense doesn't need to be that good. And, you know, 2019, their offense was putrid and, he ended up running back one overall, and that's that's part of what CMC, I think some people can forget, is the offense doesn't really have to do anything. It's, if they target him, he's going to hit that floor. Christian McCaffrey is the offense, and that's the thing, man. It's crazy. Uh, and sometimes it also drives me crazy, just real quick, for the Brees Hall narrative, too. Uh, like, it doesn't matter if you're on a bad team. Like, some people, like, literally just fade Brees Hall. He's like, oh, he's on the Jets. Like, it doesn't matter. Christian McCaffrey has put the Panthers on his back for the last, like, five years. Like, and he's been a stud for fantasy football. It doesn't matter what team you're on. But anyway, I totally agree with you what you're saying there, Steve. And that's another reason why I love Christian McCaffrey. But also, I don't think that sample is bad that you just pulled there because it just showed that last season, even though he was banged up when he was playing, he was still playing up to the levels of what you expect for Christian McCaffrey. And I feel like that's fine. Uh, you weren't trying to say, like, you know, he was on pace or whatever. Um, and it is really cool, like, to see how just how productive he was still uh, with only scoring, what did you say, like, 0. .4 touchdowns per game when he was healthy last season. So, I, yeah, again, that's why I like Christian McCaffrey so much because I, I feel like, honestly, can we all agree if Christian McCaffrey plays the full season and Jonathan Taylor plays a full season, Christian McCaffrey easily outscores him? Can we all agree with that, or does anyone disagree with that? Because I agree with that 100%. That's that's 100%. I agree as well, especially in PPR. Right, exactly. And so, like, see, that's the thing that I don't understand for people now is, like, 
I understand the injury concerns, right? But I, I honestly, I, I understand people might not want to just trust this random sports injury website I work for. But I mean, they have a lot of really reputable, you know, football doctor minds and stuff. And they really, really think that Christian McCaffrey is totally fine heading into the season. They gave him a really good health, uh, health score. Um, and I trust them. So, I mean, I think that he's going to be just fine this year. I mean, a lot of his injuries are just kind of just like unrelated things. And he kind of just had bad luck with them. And also last season, you know, the Panthers are a bad team. So you also have to remember that. Like, they have no – they don't need to rush getting Christian McCaffrey back out on the field immediately. So, like, they don't really need to be like, okay, like, you know, speed up your recovery. You know, we're going to rush you back out on the field. Like, they can kind of just, like, shut him down if he gets injured. And, like, obviously that sucks for fantasy. But I'm just reminding people, like, to not read too much into him. You know, just not trying to come back, like, all the time and everything like that because – he probably could have, you know, it's like, I don't remember off the top of my head, but let's say he missed like 12 games last season. He probably could have missed nine or 10 if he really, really, really wanted to, but they probably just didn't want to rush him back. Sorry, Connor, go right ahead, man. Okay, so something really interesting is Player Profiler recently released their um, injury finder app, and I actually went and bought it. And because I was really curious, because um, they've been kind of hyping this up for a, for a while, and um. They're talking about how they've got a algorithm that looks at, you know, games missed and uh, all the factors that might go into the risk of a player getting injured. And obviously, you know, when you go on the player profiler site, they have the injuries at the bottom, right? So they have a full database of injuries and the severity and all that. Um, and I just wanted to put this out there, but um, it is behind a paywall technically but I think it's fine if I share one player which is CMC and his injury risk was the highest so I mean I know Luke you said you said the site that you work for isn't really too concerned about him but I, I find it hard with injury yeah, analysis they're not, like, which... they're not concerned about him at all like, I just feel like I'm curious what, what your thing had to say if you don't mind like pulling up like we can kind of compare if you don't mind um I feel like um, that's fine yeah it's an app, so I don't know okay. if it'll... Okay. Well, I mean, you don't have to put it on the screen or anything. I'm just, like, read off what it says. Uh, what I was reading here, I'll, I'll pull mine up real quick. So, this is from SportsInjuryCenter.com. Uh, Pro Football Doc is the owner of this website, if you're familiar with his work. Um, let me see. Let's go to Christian McCaffrey. Where is he? He has a six score of a 95, which is very high. Like, for comparison, you know, here's some other guys that have six scores. Uh, Miles Sanders is at 96, AJ Dillon's at 95, DeAndre Swift's at 94, Aaron Jones is at 94, Derrick Henry's at 94, Kareem Hunt's at 94, Antonio Gibson's at 94, Fournette's at 94, Saquon's at 93, Eckler's at 93, Zeke's at 93, Kamara's at 92. Okay, anyway, like I'm just saying, like he's at a, at a pretty high tier. Um, but this is what yeah. the article has to say. Uh, after a dominant start to his career in fantasy football, blah, blah, blah. McCaffrey missed 23 of a potential 33 games in the last two seasons with a collection of injuries, including a high ankle sprain, right shoulder sprain, thigh strain, hamstring strain, and ankle sprain. The 25-year-old took two trips to the IR this season, the second of which prematurely ended his season on November 29th after what amounted to about five and a half games. These injuries, however, are not evidence, sorry, are not evidence of a pattern, and none are long-term or likely to linger, according to the Pro Football Docs. Um, McCaffrey can provide a great value uh, as a, a dynasty trade target. Even his most recent injury looked mundane at the time, according to the pro football docs, as it appeared to be a normal inversion sprain of his left ankle. Uh, it was a surprise. As, it was a surprise to many when he was placed on IR. They say 
blah 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 blah. While running backs that, uh, that play with McCaffrey's robust workload do tend to slow down earlier in their careers, a recent study from Apex Insider found that a back's peak years in terms of uh, yards from scrimmage come in their age 25 and 26 seasons. I don't know if, what they're referring to there, but this is about injuries, not that, so ignore that. Uh, and then McCaffrey, who will be uh, in the first year of a five-year contract in 2022, will turn 26 in June 7th and will enter having uh, over nine months between games to rest and rehab, which is a really good sign. The stud from Stanford has a ceiling of the number one overall in fantasy football drafts and could be a steal with his health. So that's what they have to say. I don't know. Take that with a grain of salt, I guess. But, Connor, what does yours have to say? Yeah, so I'm not going to go and read the whole write-up they have here, but there is two um, different uh, quantitative scores they have, which is injury risk and fragility rating. And fragility rating represents a player's susceptibility to injury on any given touch. The most durable players have a fragility rating be- below three. The most injury-prone players have a fragility rating above seven. And CMC's is, hold on, 9.6. See, like, the thing That's- I will say about that, Connor, is, like, I, I think I understand how they're pulling that data. It's just, like, averaging out his touches and then, like, injuries sustained. But I feel like it's important to, like, add the context of, like, what I just right, right, yeah. from the article. Was- like, they don't think that any of those are going to, like, like, they don't believe the injuries that he has, like, actually lead to him being injury prone if that makes sense like i feel like it's different like do you like do you agree with that or no um yeah because i think from obviously there are doctors looking at it and there's doctors that are working for a player profiler too um but i it gets a little weird because you have the quantitative you know analysis of it where it's like okay you're looking at they got this amount of injuries you're looking at it based on history what tends to happen um and you know they're using some sort of complex algorithm for this app um and then you have the subjective side where it's like yeah it's a professional opinion and like they're you know they do this as a career so it's kind of weird to to see like the quantitative results not really match up with the subjective yeah that is interesting i don't know i yeah because i i understand like why that could be a useful tool just to like see like okay like even if you like the injuries aren't necessarily like injury prone related or correlated i think it's interesting to say like okay this guy's at a higher risk because over his career he's suffered x amount of injuries with x amount of touches so like yeah equals injury prone but i don't really know if that's the way that you should be doing things i don't know it's kind yeah, of I'm, complicated i'm uh, not Matt, sure either sorry go ahead connor Oh, I was going to say, I'm not sure either. And I did want to uh, mention the other number that they had, which is injury risk, um, which is basically the probability of a player missing two or more games. And CMC's was 72.6%. So yeah, that, I mean, I feel like that's, that's insane. I feel, I feel like most running backs are, I mean, don't play. The yeah, but he, the next closest running back was Saquon. That was 65%. So. I don't know. It's, See, that's interesting because on the website, like I mentioned, it with the six scores, Saquon's is pretty high too. It's a 93, uh, which I'd say is like a – I think they, they don't have every NFL running back in there. They only have done like write-ups on like the more like notable ones so right. far. There's only about like 20 to 30. But like of the ones they have written up so far, uh, Saquon's on the higher end. So, I mean, he's definitely, a, a, definitely above average. So – I'm not too concerned about either of those guys, and your app is very concerned about both those guys. So that's very interesting. Well, it's not my um, player profile. I know, I know. Sure. Sorry, I know what you mean. <laughs> and again, it's not my website. I do social media for them, and I've written a couple articles, but it's by no means my website. I'm not a doctor. You know, I just use right. the data they give me. Um, but Matt, go right ahead, man. 
I was just wondering if you remember offhand what uh, Julio's sixth score was. That is a great question. I'll look right now for you, actually, if they've done a write-up yet. I don't know if they have since he's been uh, traded uh, – not traded, since he signed with Tampa Bay. Um, they, they only have a handful – not a handful of players, but they don't have, like, every player here yet. I actually will request a Julio one, though, if we don't have one. Oh, actually, it's an 88. Here it is. It's an 88 uh, for Julio. I'll read some snippets of it real quick here. He's 33. Uh, the Pro Football Docs grade Jones at an 88-6 score due to his continued hamstring issue coinciding with his rising age. Despite worries about his thrice-surgically repaired right foot that has cost him games in recent years, the Docs have no concern that the right foot will play, impact his play in 2022. After blah, 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 blah. Yeah, basically they, they're, they're concerned about his hamstring and his age, but not really about his foot injury. So an 88 is a pretty decent score, but it's not like pristine health. What's a nice range? Uh, like, what do you mean? Like a range of like what a good six score is? Yeah, just to compare offhand, you know, like uh, yeah, for sure. I'll I'll give you the I'll give you the players listed in like the six scores, just to, like compare, I guess, off the top of your head. Uh, so the worst by far is KJ Hamler at a twenty three, Jamison Williams coming off the ACL is a fifty three, Michael Gallup coming off the ACL is a fifty seven, Michael Thomas coming off his ankle issues is a fifty nine, Chris Godwin coming off his ACL is a sixty two. DeAndre Hopkins, I don't really know exactly what he's dealing with. He's a 65. Sterling Shepard's a 71. Robert Woods is a 71 coming off the ACL. Kadarius Tony's a 74. Julio's an 88. Kenny Galladay's an 89. Amari Cooper's a 92. Chark is a 93. Thielen's a 93. Higgins is a 94. A.J. Brown's a 94. Elijah Moore's a 94. Debo's a 94. Cortland Sutton's a 95. Two years off the ACL now, so he's pretty much fully healthy. Corey Davis is a 95. Jerry Judy's a 95. And Juju's a 96. Wow. Um, so those are the so, wide receivers. So a score of eighty-eight puts him in like the top ninety percent. That's 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 pretty comforting. Yeah, it is. I mean, again, those are just all those players I just named are only are those are the only wide receiver write-ups that are available currently, because um, they haven't done that. Again, it's a manual process. It's not like an algorithm. So I mean, they sit down and like look at his injury history and stuff. Like, and more will come out as the season gets closer, obviously. Um, but yeah, Julio right now sits at a pretty decent score, like to the point where. Okay, it's like the reason, like the way six scores work. So like a hunt, like uh, it's one to one hundred, and you know, like a hundred is like saying that's like you're like playing like it, you're like at your ceiling, like one hundred. Like think of it like when you're like you're healthy or like when you're sick. Like when you're sick, you're saying like you're not hundred percent. It's like it's the same thing. It's so, like when you're like a hundred, quote unquote, like a hundred percent. It's like your maximum health. Like that's like if you're a hundred percent on your six score, you can expect to be playing like as good as you possibly can on the field. But like nobody gets a hundred. So, you know, a 90-plus is, like, a very good score. Um, like, a 95, 96 is, like, pretty much perfect. Um, and then, you know, like, 88 to 92, 93 is still, like, pretty good to above average, I would say for sure. Cool. Um, can you link uh, how to find that here? Yeah, for sure. Uh, well, they have a Twitter. I'll just, like, grab their Twitter and put up a picture. Okay. Because I was hoping uh, to get some there are clarity. Resource, for I was sure. hoping to get some clarity on the uh, six scores for the – Ravens backfield, and then also Elijah Mitchell off to the side. Yeah, absolutely. I actually, um, I think we actually have an article about the Ravens backfield. I think, um, I'm not too sure on that, but I, I, I pinned the tweet in the space for their uh, Twitter, and then the website is also like on the Twitter account if you just look at it. But yeah, there's some cool stuff in there. Yo, what's up, Tyler? How you doing? Uh, anyways, we only have three minutes left. I took up a lot of time talking about injuries, but I, hopefully that wasn't too boring. Uh, I would love to take a question from somebody out in the audience real quick to wrap us up. If anyone out there has anything they want to add or anything they want to, you know, ask a question about anything, 
We also can go a little bit over, honestly, because I feel like this has gone by really fast and I have nothing else to do. Uh, so if anyone wants to request to speak in the bottom left-hand corner of your screen, now is the time we have one. <laughs> Yo, Boost Fantasy is coming up. Is this Patrick? Hang on. Shout out to Boost Fantasy, by the way. Uh, Patrick, is this you? Hey, yes, sir, it is. <laughs> Let's go. What's hey, up, man. man? How you doing? Uh, yeah, I'm good. Uh, sounds like you guys are all as well. I want to jump in here real quick. I know you just said uh, we're wrapping up. Maybe go a little over. Um, but I'll definitely go over. I'll definitely go over. I'm, I'm sure. <laughs> the the content you guys all provide, holy cow. In-depth uh, analysis, it's fantastic. But I just wanted to make sure I uh, jumped in here and re- real quick say thank you to you and uh, and the writers that we have uh, joining in here tonight. Uh, don't look like Caleb was able. to join uh patrick you're cutting out a little bit but i heard i heard what you're saying (laughs) about caleb not being able to join okay cool uh i'm i'm driving right now in the car so it could be a little bit worse but i just want to say thanks for the shout outs and whatnot and uh looking in uh to following some of the some of the listeners here and uh, appreciate any sort of followers and supports and i'm uh as you are very excited about what we're trying to build here and uh the future with the app that we'll have uh hopefully out you know unfortunately it's probably going to be like a next year thing there's a lot of work to do with that and the idea that we're building but um hopefully we grow some relationships and uh have some good content that we can provide on this website from you know luke uh, jonesy steve hayden you know caleb thank you bro i really patrick i really appreciate the love and support for you and uh you know believing me and bringing me on and all that stuff so you know shout out to boost fantasy shout out to patrick and caleb for you know trusting in me and trusting in all the writers for you know helping grow their brand but yeah i really appreciate you coming out man uh thank you this is the first like quote-unquote boost sponsored fantasy football radio hour that i'm gonna be doing plenty more to come so Shout out Boost, man. They're great people. Anyway, uh, I wanted some questions. Also, Tyler's here. Tyler, what's up? Yes, I'm here. I uh, remember the last time I was here, I was telling you about the marina. We were talking about the marina. Apparently, the marina was real. The marina was real. And now the dolphins will be penalized. So maybe maybe I wasn't that crazy. Maybe you Um, weren't. Maybe you well, want. I mean, we know it. We know I wasn't crazy now. Um, yeah, there you go. Really well, happened. Tyler, Tyler, thank How you for being you? here. I'm great, How man. I'm doing great. I'm doing great. I'm hanging out. Um, I want to give a shout out to Boost, actually. Um, yeah, I think people should, uh, you know, take it from me as, you know, someone who's been around for a while. I think people should check out what, uh, what they're doing and what they're building. And I think that it's going to go very well. And I, I would just uh, keep an eye on them, you know, give them a follow if you haven't yet. Uh, and yeah, just, you know, I'm looking forward to potentially doing some things uh, with them in the future at some point. So yeah, that would be, that would be nice. But either way, I, I think you should give them a follow and all that. Good luck. Appreciate it, Tyler. Thanks for coming out, bro. Hey, thanks, Love Tyler. You. Appreciate that, man. Appreciate it, Tyler. All right. Uh, okay. I forgot who requested to speak and ask a question. I think it was uh, United and Orange. What's up, bro? How you doing? Hey, I appreciate the uh, ask. Uh, 
I just had a quick uh, super flex question. I have the third pick in a brand new super flex league, and through conversation with the rest of the players in the league, I have found out that the first pick is going to be Josh Allen, and the second pick is going to be Justin Herbert. Should I zig when everybody else zags? Uh, And take Jonathan Taylor? What pick do you have again? Sorry. The third pick. Um, is this a redraft or a dynasty? It's a redraft. I personally would go with a quarterback. Honestly, okay. uh, I, I really, really value quarterbacks in Superflex. Uh, I honestly love starting quarterback in at least two quarterbacks by the end of the third round. Is usually a good rule that I like to follow uh, with either a stud wide receiver or running back thrown in there if you decide to go a different way. Um, but I really prioritize uh, quarterback. I don't know if – are you familiar with what the Scott Fishbowl is, United? Yeah. Okay, yeah. So last year in the Scott Fishbowl, I had uh, Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes, and they carried my team to the playoffs, the second round of the playoffs, even though J.K. Dobbins tore his ACL before the season started, who was my RB1. So I, quarterbacks are just super important in Superflex, and if you have two really good quarterbacks, the rest of your roster can honestly just be all right and kind of piece together, and you can right. win a lot of games. So I love – getting two really good quarterbacks early personally okay that sounds good appreciate the uh, advice yeah, yeah thank you man thank you so much for coming out and asking a question jonesy did you want to add to that real quick yeah i do kind of just so i'm picking i in scott fishbowl i picked from the 103 and uh so i was kind of in that same predicament like do i go quarterback and i, I knew i was going quarterback because the way that i kind of look at it is like from the 103 you can either start with the top three quarterback and then get like a top 15 quarterback as your qb2 but if you take another position other than quarterback and you take a quarterback, you're taking quarterback one with your second pick, then you're looking at probably like your quarterback 15 as your QB one and then like QB 20 something as your QB two. And that's just such a huge drop off in like points at that position at that point. So like having two top 15 QBs is elite and then having like someone who's like a fringe top QB as your top 15 QB as your QB one is just a little risky and, and super flex in my opinion. Yeah, I love that, Jonesy. Thank you so much for sharing. All right, Bangers and Mash is about to come up here. Last time he cussed out a guest, but he's really nice to me all the time. So we're gonna we're gonna give him another chance. But Mike Banger will be on the remove button, Bangers. You you've been warned, even though I love you, or I don't know if I should say that. But you're you're a nice guy. I believe in you, Bangers. What do you got? You have to unmute. Bangers and math. What's, hey, What's up, man? Yes. What's How's up? How's it bro? going, dude? I totally thought that my microphone was off last time. I totally ended up cussing out a random fan. Uh, I'm. Sorry. Oh, you thought, you thought you had a hot mic and you didn't know? Yeah. It? No, I, I I feel so bad, man. I just cursed at a random fan for no reason. Oh my god. Boy, did I. <laughs> You're fine. Um. Anyway. You're fine. I, all right. Man. Moving on from that, I wanted to get your thoughts on a certain scenario because. The FFL is in the building. Uh, the league is listening to this, and we have a few narratives in our league. Now, one of these narratives is that Dawson Knox is this year's Robert Tunyon, and that he's going to return for I her. love that. Do you agree with so this much. take? Yes, Fuck. absolutely. I've said that exact same thing on the I show before Knox, several times. I don't hear that. God damn it. Oh. No, no, I... Oh, so wait, oh wait, okay. No, you're the Dawson Knox. You're the Dawson Knox manager in that yeah, league. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that sucks. Sorry, dude. Yeah, I don't. I don't like Dawson Knox because his volume is so low and the touchdown. Uh, the touchdown rate is so high, and that's usually like a, a red flag. Uh, do I think he's a good player? Yes. And Josh Allen is his quarterback, which is awesome. But you know, usually when a player is targeted that amount, 
and he produces that much, it's like almost always a red flag. So, I mean, I don't love Dawson Knox, but he's not like, he's not going to kill you. I mean, he's still pretty cheap, right? I mean, he's going like what, like the tight end 11. Yeah. So like, he's not going to burn you, but uh, I, I do think that he is a little overvalued, honestly. Uh, I, I did sacrifice two first round picks to get him. So I, I kind of did invest a lot. Oh, wait, you, in a dy- you gave up two firsts in a dynasty for Dawson Knox? Yeah. Yeah, 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 I know, Bro, I know. No, that's so bad. <laughs> With peace and love. Uh, Wait, what, what year right, was man. They? I want to score in Were they 2022 so. first? Were they 2022 first or 2023 first? Uh, I, no, they're 2023. They're, they're prime real estate. Oh, no. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the opposite of what I did. I got, uh, I got Dawson Knox as a backup in my league. We're doing like a 17-round draft. It starts in July. And I got I used an eighth-round keeper on Mark Andrews, and then Dawson Knox fell like round 11, so I got him as a backup to Mark Andrews. So I did the exact opposite for bangers over there. But, yeah. yeah I just... oh. oh, God. Bangers. Uh, how is your roster looking though? Besides that, because like you know, that those picks are gonna they're gonna haunt you, especially if you have a bad roster. Like, is the roster still looking decent this year? Yeah, I'd say that I'm in win now mode with a lot of my guys. So I try to get some some of those picks back uh, for 2023. So I do have three firsts, but a lot of my guys right now they're injury prone veterans. I've got like Kamara, Christian McCaffrey, Austin Eckler, Cooper Cup. Like these guys are superstars, but oh, they are getting. Awesome. That's a fine team build, though, because you have so many of them. Like, if one goes down, you're going to be fine. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and three 2023 firsts is a lot. Like, wait, how many people are in the league, though? Let me let me preface that. It's a, it's a okay, yeah, you're, you're doing great. You're doing great. That's a really good roster and a lot of really good capital. Like, I feel like even though you gave up two firsts for Dawson Knox, I mean, imagine how good your team would be now if you didn't give up two firsts for Dawson Knox and you had five firsts and all yeah. those guys. Like, that'd be juicy. But it still is pretty yeah. good. Please, please rub it in a little more. <laughs> no, yeah, I will. Don't worry. Uh, Matt, did you want to add to that? Yeah, he right. could. I mean, you. I feel like one first could have gotten you a Waller or a Kelsey, or if you if you're no. gonna burn, if you're gonna burn oh. two first. If this league, people are a little psychotic when when they own a player. There's like an emotional attachment. Travis Kelsey would not go for anything less than like McCaffrey and Kamara. Like this guy. No loves- way. <laughs> With his yeah. age, people inflate their own players' values. It's it's the whole thing. We're we're all psychotic in my league. I kind of I kind of live for that though. I'm kind of here for that. You know, my worst trade I've ever made in fantasy football by far was like two or three years ago, and it was uh, I blame Jason Moore from the fantasy footballers for this by, fully. By the way, I don't know if uh, someone might be thinking knowing who I'm thinking about right now. Um, he was you know Jason Moore's guy back in the can day. We, can I, we guess first? Yeah, go ahead. You're not gonna you're gonna know who it is. Carry on Johnson. It was Carry on Johnson. Absolutely right. I traded a first and a second for Carry on Johnson. And that that really stuck. <laughs> that really sucked. Uh, he did nothing for me, and he just yeah, broke my little minutes. heart. I got yeah, it. I know. Okay, I actually bangers. I appreciate the question. Thank you so much. Oh yeah, do you have another one? Uh, no, I just wanted to say thanks. And somehow, even though I made this huge fuck up, uh, I did happen to win the championship. But Dustin Knox showed up for zero points. Oh, you won the championship. Then let's, yeah. let's go. Yeah. Actually, it's in your, it's in your bio. So there now, you go. Uh, I went all in on this year, so I was like, okay, Dawson Knox, he's reliable with the touchdowns. He actually did catch one, but it was called back for holding, so he ended up with a fat zero in the championship game. That hurts in the playoffs, yeah. uh, 100%. And it was all right, bro, well, I appreciate you coming through, and sorry for judging you for accidentally so. calling, for having uh, me. cussing somebody out on a hot mic. Hey, no, no worries. Yeah, no problem, bro. I'll see you, dog. Bye.
All right, uh, Hayden, go ahead, and we'll toss it to Draft Utopia. And I also, if anyone else has some really bad trade stories, I would love to hear them. Go ahead. Yeah, that's exactly what I was tuning in for. So, uh, Dynasty League 2020 season, I, I won the championship handily. Uh, that offseason trade is still haunting me. It's gotten a little bit better since, but uh, right before the season started, I traded away Debo Samuel and Marquise Brown for Allen Robinson. And uh, – basically lost me the league i ended up missing the playoffs with a loaded roster and the guy i made the trade to uh, won the uh, championship so that one kills me these are devastating yeah that one still hurts too uh, when i scroll no, back, in, yeah, it, hey, we're not all perfect you know <laughs> okay listen carry on johnson was the guy back then you know don't don't blame me okay blame jason Moore. i told you this all complaints can be made to him I tweeted at him about it a while ago, and he said that he'll accept it. You know, it's okay. Uh, Draft Utopia, go right ahead. I, I can empathize with you guys. I was in the 2020 championship two years ago. It was like my first championship in fantasy since 2007, and I lost it. But my question involves a rookies. I think this could be applied to regular fantasy leagues and dynasty leagues. Two rookie running backs, Damian Pierce and Rashad White. Rashad White fell around 17, and I grabbed him because – his bye week was not congruent with the other running backs. His bye week was different. Congruent? Different what a vocab word. Oh, my goodness. Let's go, vocab. Sorry, I just love that word. Go ahead. But the, the, the bye weeks for Nick Chubb and David Montgomery and Josh Jacobs, I wanted a fourth running back with a different bye week as those running backs. And Rashad White in a week 11 bye week, whereas Damian Pierce in a week six bye week, same bye week as Josh Jacobs. So I took Rashad White. Of those two running backs, Damian Pierce and Rashad White, who do you prefer this year and for Dynasty Leagues? Sorry, I keep doing this thing where I'm tweeting something and then I mute myself and then I, I always get back to the show late. Uh, I'll actually toss this to somebody else if anyone else wants to get it. Anyone of my boost homies, Hayden, Steve, Jonesy. Oh, I got it. It's uh, I think it's pretty easily Rakad White for both redraft. Rakad. Yes, that is how I say his name. Jonesy. Bro. Rashad, Rashad, I know. It's, that it's is bad. the whitest thing I've heard today. <laughs> well, I'm as white as they come, so you're welcome. But I, I am Rakeed. too. I am definitely, too. I am too. <laughs> it's definitely a, Rashad White. Rashad. <laughs> Rashad. Yeah. Anyway, sorry, go ahead. Actually, real quick, that reminds me of, uh, I forget who it was. And if it was one of you in here, I love you, God bless. But whoever came up here the other day and kept calling Akash Akash was the funniest thing I've ever heard in my life. Okay, okay. anyway, sorry, keep going. Yeah, so no, you're good. Um, so for redraft, it's a, it's one of those things where it's, the he Rashad is the running back two on the Bucks, which is a great offense. He's a great pass catching running back. Um, and if anything were to ever happen to Leonard Fournette, then he'd have a clear role where he'd be a top 20 running back every week in fantasy. The thing with Damian Pierce about me for redraft, and then this kind of flows into dynasty a little bit, is he was never able really to take over a like not very good backfield in Florida for the four years he was there. He's not a great athlete, and the Houston running back room is just a mess. So I don't, I definitely don't want to touch him for redraft. I think the best value for that is probably Marlon Mack and not Damian Pierce. And then from a dynasty perspective, like I said, I mean, I, I just don't think Pierce. He's he's just a guy in my opinion. Doesn't have great draft capital. Not a great athlete. Didn't do anything special in college. Kind of just was. Seems like he was just a draft pick to maybe take a flyer by the Texans to see if he was anything in white when it comes to dynasty. I think, I mean, obviously Leonard Fournette is 27 about to be 28 soon, which is the running back cliff 
for running backs. Um, he has a good amount of usage in the NFL, which will catch up to him pretty soon. So I, I prefer White in both redraft and, and dynasty. So I'd, I'd push back a little bit on the Damian Pierce side just because I know his production-wise in, in college wasn't that, and it's just uh, Florida's offense by nature. They just they, they basically throw the ball, and that's all they do. But whenever Damian Pierce hit the field, I think he, I think he led the NCAA at least for a while in yards per touch. Like he's an explosive guy. He's not just some uh, like some guy that not he's not a college backup. I think he's a ball player. But yeah, I, I totally get your point. I I think if if I'm playing ceiling, I I would try to go Damian Pearson re- redraft just on the chance that he can take over that backfield because Rashad White just probably won't take over Leonard Fournette. But yeah, I'd probably go I'd probably go White in a uh, in dynasty. I mean, I lean, I lean White in both formats personally. Yeah. All right, uh, thank you so much, uh, Draft Utopia. Okay, I want to open it up real quick. We are 15 minutes over. I really, again, have nothing else to do except for play MLB The Show all night, so I don't really have a problem going over. But I am uh, taking our last call for questions real quick. If anyone has a question they want to get in here before the show's over, okay, Mav's coming up. Uh, if anyone has a question they want to get in before the show ends, uh, hit the request to speak button in the bottom left-hand corner of your screen, uh, and we'll get you up here, answer your question, and we'll go on with our lives. Mav is here. What's up, bro? How you doing? Um, super duper thanks for asking I just wanted to touch back on the Damian Pierce versus Rashad White thing I think dynasty value for Rashad White is much higher than Damian Pierce however uh, I think Damian Pierce is like this year's Michael Carter I think Damian Pierce comes out and has a pretty good rookie year enough to get people to want to come in and bite on the bait and if you're a Damian Pierce owner like it's it's going to be one of those things where you're going to want to trade him at the end of the season to maximize his value because I don't I don't yeah, see him I, being the guy there forever I agree with that. Also, are you on like a Walmart or some shit? Like, I definitely hear somebody like scanning items in the background. Yeah, I'm at work. At, I work at Smith's. I do click list, and right now we're completely dead. And then I just got done finished doing all our picking for the day for the customers that order online. Oh, cool, cool, cool. I don't. What store? Like, what kind of store is that? I don't think I have that around here. Smith's is like a New Mexico, Texas, Nevada version of Kroger. It's actually a subsidiary of Kroger. Oh. Oh, okay, cool, interesting. Gotcha. All right. Well, God bless. Get back to the ground, my boy. Uh, MJ, what's up? Um, I just wanted to get back on that uh, Shad Wright, Damian Pierce thing. Um, I'm going Damian Pierce just because um, I thought he was a decent player in college. Uh, the system he did play in, he just wasn't really utilized as much. But when he was utilized, he was very efficient. Um, his uh, draft grade came out. Um, he was a lot higher than other running, rookie running backs that a few people are higher on. Um but, uh, yeah, Damian Pierce almost finished with, what, like 7,000 yards, 92 touchdowns at uh, school. But he only had, like, a few games where he had over 10 uh, carries. Uh, see, I actually love Rashad White uh, a lot more than Damian Pierce. I just threw my take out there very quickly. Akash is here, and he loves Rashad White, too. Uh, Rashad White is a dog at receiving. And, like, he's an amazing receiver. And like we had talked about earlier, receptions are way, way, way more valuable than carries in fantasy football. So, you know, I absolutely think that it's not even close, honestly. Damian Pierce is in a situation that could be good for this season, but I honestly don't even know if he's going to win the starting job over a guy like Marlon Mack. But if Leonard Fournette went down tomorrow, you know, Rashad White is instantly a top 20 fantasy football running back. And, I mean, I just think I'm confident in his ability to carry a load. Pause. Um... But, you know, I, 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 
I'm 12 years old. I apologize. But I think he is a very good player. Okay, Akash is here. He's a Rashad White guy. Uh, Akash, you, you love Rashad White. Tell us how much you love him and why he's so much better than Damian Pierce because he obviously clears that fraud. Go ahead. Yeah, definitely clears that fraud. He had um, high draft capital, better receiving, better rushing profile too. Um, like Luke said, I mean, he's one of the highest upside backups in the entire NFL. Like I heard someone earlier talking about how if Leonard Fournette went down, then Rashad White would be like a low RB1 or a high RB2. And I'm like, I'm just thinking in my head, like you're too low on this guy. Like he could be a top five running back if Leonard Fournette went down because of a usage and a really good offense and the amount of receiving work he'd get to. Sorry, I did the thing again where I tweet and mute my mic and then come back and then I, you know, I really just need to stay unmuted or, I don't know, you know, what? I just have problems. Okay. Uh, anyways, uh, bangers the match had another question. That's who it was. Bangers, welcome back to the stage, my handsome potato. What's up, brother? Oh, thank you, man. I appreciate it. Um, this is not even football related, but you said afterwards you're gonna play MLB. Right. Oh, I was wondering what team do you play with? Uh, I I honestly mostly play Diamond Dynasty, but yeah. I would play with the Yankees because I am a Yankees fan. Nice. Um, nice. Are you a Yankee, are you a Yankees fan? No, no, but there's a lot of Yankees fans in the FFL. So. Uh, oh, okay. I actually work for a uh, one of the Yankees minor league teams this summer. I'm I'm in New York right now for an internship. I actually leave in a week. Um, but I've worked all summer with the Hudson Valley Renegades, one of the Yankees minor leagues. Like Jason Dominguez is here right now. If the Yankees fans know who that is. Uh, one of their top prospects, and it's been super cool to be up close with him. It's been super, super, super cool. Uh, but yeah, if you actually play Diamond Dynasty, we can run co-op sometime, bangers. Just let me know, bro. Okay. I'm always, I'm always available. Hell yeah, man! Uh, in what way with this minor league team? Like, what's your position? Uh, I'm a social media intern, so I tweet out, you know, like, like their highlights and stuff, and do Instagram stories and all that good stuff. So like today, they're on the road, and I was in the office, and I was cutting up the game. Like I had the broadcast on my laptop and clipped highlights and tweeted them and stuff like that. Here, like I'll pin the tweet right now that I did earlier, and like I make the uh, like the lineup card and stuff like that on Photoshop, and I put it out there. All that good stuff. It's always a good time. Like, I made this little, you know, you see this little post-game thing right there? I made that graphic earlier. So cool. I mean, you know, you see this little um, home run highlight? That's all me, baby. Nah. That's what I was doing at work today. That's my life. It's a good time. Uh, anyway, it's wow. cool. I like it. Yeah, it's a good time. Awesome, man. Um, yeah, that's all. Yeah, appreciate it, bro. Keep chilling. What'd you say? Do you have, like, a favorite team in general in the MLB? Yeah, I'm a Yankees fan. Okay, all right. Yankees. I, yeah, I, that's why I chose this team honestly to work for the minor league. I, like, I had a couple offers from a different, a few different teams, mm-hmm. uh, but I, I took. I live in Cincinnati, um, but wow. I never lived far away from home for a long period of time before. I mean, I, I go to college, but it's only an hour away from my hometown. But yep. this is ten hours away by car, and it was really cool just to get out here by myself for the summer, get some experience out here, and yeah, nice. I loved it. It's been really cool. Nice. How do you feel about that uh, Cincinnati Reds baseball? They suck, man. They suck. They suck so bad. Um, they actually acquired yeah. some pretty cool uh, prospects from the Mariners. So that should be interesting. I'm not really like a Reds fan, but I don't not like the Reds. Like I grew up going to Reds games. So they got like Hunter Green. Fans. He's going to be their ace in the future. He was my number one prospect in the 2017 MLB draft. All right, keep it yeah. in your pants over there, buddy. He's probably going to walk in free agency after like four years, like every other Reds player. No, we we got some Hunter Green fans in the building. Lil Oracle, shout out. 
Yeah, no. Yeah, yo, Hunter Green's a dog. I just want to say that, like, right now. I mean, the kid throws, like, 102. Flamethrower. Um, yeah, he is a flamethrower. But, you know, he's, like I said, like any other good Cincinnati Red, they'll keep him for, like, five years and then let him walk. Cough, yeah. Nick Castellanos. Um, right. Or Jesse Winker, too. Like, they literally, like, they, they were pretty good last year. They just let the entire franchise walk. Unbelievable. Uh, yeah. And, oh, yeah. Also, if anyone ever wants to ask me any question not related to football, I'll always answer Especially about food. David, what's good, man? David. Hey, uh, I just wanted to say shout out to my Xavier Musketeers in Cincinnati. That's where I went to school. Oh, cool. Cool. I go to uh, I go to Miami in Ohio. Nice. So not too far away. Um, they actually just hired Xavier's uh, basketball coach to be their basketball coach. Oh my gosh. The one that Xavier the one that Xavier fired. So that's cool. Wow. Cool. Uh, hopefully he doesn't Hopefully it doesn't suck too bad. But our basketball team was pretty terrible in general last season. I did social media for them, actually, last year. And that was pretty fun. Um, but, yeah, hopefully their head coach doesn't burn them to the ground. Because for, for those who don't know or for those who don't care about basketball, Xavier is um, a college in Cincinnati area. And they don't have a football team, which is kind of weird. But they're like their whole thing is basketball. And they're a pretty good basketball school. You know, like they're ranked every once in a while. You'll probably, you've probably seen them at March Madness before. Uh, but this year they didn't make March Madness, but they went into like the the league, not, not like the league, but the tournament below the March Madness. You know the NIT tournament is what it's called, and they won the whole thing. But their coach was so bad that they fired him halfway through the tournament, and they went on to win the entire thing. So hopefully he doesn't burn Miami's program to the ground, but he might. So that'll be fun to see. <laughs> Anyways, thank you, David. Thanks for coming out. All right, uh, I feel like it's a good way to wrap the show up. So that'll be it for today. Might do another like late night show if I'm bored. So keep an eye out for that. Uh, love you all, and I will see you guys again tomorrow. Show will again be at the normal time tomorrow, 7 p.m. Eastern. So I'll see you guys later. Goodbye.